1: Welcome back to the MLB.com StatCast podcast. I'm your host, Mike Petriello, joined here by MLB.com national editor, Matt Myers. Lots of stuff to talk about today. Joey Gallo may finally be putting it together. Yes. Yes, I know we're super excited about that. Um, you've probably heard all of the incredible Kristen Yellich stats, but we found something that just is so weird we have to dive into a little bit. I wrote about five uh, interesting like April names worth knowing, not the big-time stars, but sort of lesser-known names uh, who are having really interesting Aprils. We have to talk about a bunch of different Cardinals. One of them is a user request. One of our listeners asked me to look into John Gant. Uh, but also I want to know about Dexter Fowler. I want to know about Colton Wong, Marcelo Zuna, and John Brebbia. And finally, Matt is going to uh, dive into a big hot take about whether Aaron Judge is too big to play baseball. I can't wait to get into that. But first, is Joey Gallo putting it together?
2: It, I mean, it makes, me, it makes me so happy. Although, first of all, we should preface this by saying Joey Gallo was always a pretty well, good player.
1: Can I tell you where this came from? I have I found myself, like, tapped into Rangers Twitter <laughs> recently and, you know, like, there are some people who are, you know, not caring about his batting average because who cares? And some people will never accept him, uh, accept him as long as he's hitting, you know, two oh six like he did last year. Now he's hitting two seventy three right now, so that doesn't matter. Uh, his stat line right now: two seventy three, three eighty eight, seven twelve. That is a weighted runs created plus of one seventy five. He has actually been. One of the three best hitters in baseball. Our stat we like to use is expected weighted on base. That accounts for quality of contact, also strikeouts and walks. And if I looked at every hitter who has at least 50 plate appearances, number one, Cody Bellinger. Okay, that makes a great deal of sense. Number two, Mike Trout, obviously. Number three, Joey Gallo. And remember, this does include strikeouts. That's really cool. He is also one of the most improved bats in baseball this year. Uh, If I just compare last year to this year, Bellinger, most improved uh, Gary Sanchez, number two. Wilson Contreras, number three. Joey Gallo is up 132 points from 369 last year to 501. He doesn't need to hit 300 to be an MVP, right? He just needs to hit, like, 240 and hit 75 home runs.
2: I mean, he's basically... I mean, I was a huge uh, Russell Brannon fan back in the day. Wow. He's basically, like... If Russell Brandon had ever been given, like, a real chance.
1: <laughs> I, I think that undersells him. Because Joey Gallows, he's a good athlete. He's a good outfielder. I know? just say. Brandon a DH. I guess it's
2: so. true. I, until this year, I mean, like, what's, Gallo's last two seasons were remarkably consi- uh, consistent. Um, basically, he played. He had exactly 2.8 war in each season uh, by both uh, uh, in, by, per fan graphs. Uh In 2017, 209, 333, 537. Last year, 206, 312, 498. 41 homers in 2017, 40 homers in 2018. So, like, that's, I mean, that was a good player, not a great player. Now he looks like maybe he could be, like, reaching the star stats.
1: I I have a whole bunch of stats that are going to, you know, talk about what's different. Uh, But it's always more interesting to know, like, what changed and how. So I I found this quote, and this is uh, from The Athletic last December, and it's from Texas hitting coach Luis Ortiz, who was in his first season. And what he said he was working on with Callow, he said, Right now we're trying to minimize some of the movement. he's so strong he doesn't need to swing as hard. he just has to be accurate, which is kind of cool. I don't really have a good way to quantify whether he's you know not swinging as hard, but it would make sense if you want him to make more contact um, even though he's not really his strikeout rate is still thirty four percent and if you look at some of the numbers, the hard hit rate is up fifty two percent two years ago to forty nine to sixty five percent so I don't know if he's not swinging as hard. Maybe it's not showing there unless it just means, you know, he's not getting the same max exit velocity, but making contact with more of the balls in the hard hit range, which I guess would make sense. Um, His pull percentage is up a lot. It was 44% last year. It's 58% this year. And, uh, you know, that sort of reminds me, is there anyone you enjoy watching hit home runs more than Joey Gallo? Like he's he's number one for me. Let me put it this way. I want him to do the home run Derby so badly this year more than Aaron judge more than John Carlos Stetton more than anybody maybe not Peter Alonso
2: but uh, but Joey Gallo. those are the, those are the guys he's, he's actually he's he actually is averaging 98 I mean average X velocity is not actually a thing we care about that much no. but just it's worth noting he is Lean the majors with an average exit velocity of 98.8 miles That's an hour. insane. Yes.
1: Um, what This is kind of fun. We talk a lot about guys hitting fewer grounders, getting off the ground, right? And some of the guys we'll get into in a second are like that. He's sort of the opposite. His launch angle is down a little bit from 23 to 22 to 18. Uh, and he's actually hitting more grounders, 30%, 35%. But he has zero pop-ups this year. And I think that makes sense. He doesn't need to be at the top of the launch angle scale because he hits the ball so hard. You know, he needs to be more of like the high line drive scale, uh, and I think that's working for him. I don't. He's not going to win MVP, right? Because it's like the Rangers aren't going to be that good. I know they're twelve and nine or whatever. They're they're still not that good.
2: But, we need to. Comp- if he continues this for a whole season, then we could talk. Then yes, he might win MVP. <laughs> he might win MVP. <laughs> if, you know, if he you know if he slugs seven hundred with forty five home runs, yeah, yes, he might win MVP. I'm,
1: I'm just excited that it seems like he might be more than this massive power, massive strikeout guy. He's like an actual good hitter and he was before. I don't want to undersell him. Right. Yeah, and there
2: was, and there was that weird step around. It was like, Oh, he sack had his, fly. his first sack fly, but like, I went and looked it up and he had had like 25 occasions in his career with a man on third and less than two outs where he got in the in via a hit. Yeah. Or like what it was like, he just had happened to get a sack That's fly. I'd, I'd rather him hit a home run and get more than one and
1: then hit a sacrifice fly. So I, I'm, I'm excited to see that. Like, the Joey Gal experience is here, um, and I'm also excited to see that everyone is still annoyed because his batting average is usually low. Uh, Christian Jalic is off to the most insane start that I think any of us have ever seen, and this is what was fascinating to me. He has 13 home runs so far, and every single one of them has been at home
2: in Milwaukee. He has zero home runs on the road, which is ludicrous. I actually have a... Fantastic stat for this. You don't even know that I have because it was just slacked to, slack to me. Oh, so you got, ri- got ringers. By the great uh, Sarah Langs. Uh, un- unsolicited. I guess she was wondering about Yelich as well. So, uh, per the Elias Sports Bureau, Christian Yelich is the first player to hit his first 13 or more home runs in the season all in home games. Since Dante Bichette for the Rockies in 1995, who hit his first 17 home runs at home back in the, the days of the Blake Street Bombers. Was,
1: was that the, the first year of Coors Field or the last year of Mile High? I can't remember.
2: Uh, I'm not sure. I'll look at that in a second. But the modern record since 1900 is 19 by Gavi Gabby, Kravath. Gabby
1: Gavy Kravath. Let's see. Wait. Uh, catcher for, like, the Reds or the Cubs?
2: Well, now you have me looking up two things, where he where he well, played in um, –
1: Gaby Kravith, I remember him.
2: He Maybe hit uh, nineteen his first nineteen home runs uh in nineteen fourteen.
1: Oh. Uh, oh, that's earlier than I thought.
2: Nineteen fourteen for the uh, the uh the Phillies.
1: Oh, okay. Well that's not who I was thinking of. Uh apparently. Anyway, Kristen Yolich is more than just about home runs at home. I mean I remember where nineteen about.
2: it was the first year, nineteen ninety five was the first year of Field.
1: Got it, but it was still, this is like pre humidor. Oh
2: yeah, field. This, this was this was, was Blake Street. This this was too. exactly yeah.
1: This is baseball on the moon. Uh, Kristen Yelch so far at home, 63 plate appearances, a 417 average, a 540 on base, and a 1271 slugging. Uh, if you look at his weighted on base, he's got a 681 weighted on base. That is the best in baseball of anybody at home, unsurprisingly. On the road, 244 batting average, 295 on base, 293 slugging. His 264 weighted on base is 203rd of 267 guys. And it's not just about hitting the ball hard. Um, at home, he has a 22% walk rate and a 7% strikeout rate. On the road, that's almost exactly reversed: a 5% walk rate and a 23% strikeout rate. This is meaningless. Like I know, you know, he's played like 10 games on the road. Uh, you know, it depends. I think uh, some of those games were in. I can't remember if the Dodgers series was on the home or the home or road. But anyway, it doesn't matter. Like this is all small sample. It's going to sort itself out. You didn't those have a you didn't have a
2: big split last year.
1: He had a little bit of a split. He had uh, 22 home runs at home and 14 on the road. He had an almost identical home and road on base percentage, 4.06 at home, 3.99 on the road. Like, Miller Park is a good park for a lefty to hit, but I don't think that moving from Miami to Miller Park is what made, you know, that happen.
2: Yeah, no. I mean, we we actually saw something similar last year or two years ago with with Charlie Blackman, where like in 2016 he'd had a great year, but actually didn't have that huge of a, of a core split, and then right, 2017 right. Bassett had, I mean. had, had, had an insane year and had a huge split. So this is just one of those uh, one of those things that happened. For
1: the, for the record, for Yelich, he was one of those guys where um, I think it was him and Hosmer were like the two poster uh, guys for like, oh, you know, talented lefty hitters who hit the ball hard, but they hit it on the ground too much. You know, they should elevate, and he's always like, no, nah, no, nah, I'm never going to do it. Nah, no, 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 no. His launch angle uh, the last four years since 2016, uh, 2.5 degrees, 4.7, 4.7, (laughs) 14.8 so Mm. far this year. I don't know if he's doing it on purpose, but he's definitely hitting the ball in the air more. Uh, He's getting fewer pitches in the zone. He's down from 48% in the zone to 41%. He's swinging more in the zone, and he's also more aggressive on first pitches. Like None of these numbers really do justice to what he is doing. And I can't really say I have a great answer for the home road split other than it's April twenty-third and things are weird. <laughs> uh but at some point he's gonna hit a home run on the road. I think I kinda hope he doesn't, because then we can talk Just about it. See, how almost, yeah. see if he
2: can pass Gabby Kravath. Um Man, that's a name. Yeah, <laughs> in, in in light of his start, uh Andrew Simon put together a piece um from com the other day of the, the best starts by reigning MVP. So he looked at the first The best 25 game starts by reigning MVPs um, to see where Yelich kind of stacks up. And it's just comical looking Barry Bonds in 2004 coming off um, his third straight MVP award that year. Through 25 games in uh, 2004, Barry Bonds was hitting 463, 704 1,111 yeah. with 10 home runs and a st- walk-to-strikeout ratio of 44 walks and 6 strikeouts.
1: The, the joke you make there is um, video game numbers, except you couldn't do that in a video <laughs> game. Like, that's obscene. He should still be playing today, which would be...
2: Anyway, I just yeah, wanted I to share that cuz I thought it was it was just it was just comical as good as we think. It's it's always it's hard to overstate how ridiculous Barry Bonds 2004 season was.
1: Um at this time of the year, it's always fun to look at some ridiculous numbers and the guys who were doing them, trying to figure out what's what, right? Like, you know, nobody expects the lh to hit like this all year, but he's the reigning MVP, he's going to be great. So, I looked uh, at some guys with crazy numbers and maybe not crazy numbers, but impressive numbers, and I wanted to find the ones who were the most interesting to me at least. And the whole point here is that these are maybe lesser-known names? So this is not about hey Pete Alonso is crushing the ball because everybody had their eyes on Pete Alonso. And uh, I have to preface this by saying I have five names I want to talk about. I actually had a different name on this last night, and that name was Nick Birdie, who was uh, looking amazing and then you know kind of crumpled on the mound holding his elbow. Uh, I thought I saw tweeted today he didn't actually tear or break anything, which is great news. That's
2: that's, that's what uh, Passon tweeted that basically saying it doesn't, it's not as bad as it looked, and he's not going to need surgery, and that it's like a just like a, it's a bicep injury. I will say. From personal experience, having once had a really bad bicep injury, it's basically impossible to throw a baseball. Like, it feels like your arm's going to fall off uh, when you have, like, a torn bicep muscle. So, it's possible that that's kind of what. What I mean, happened? That.
1: I mean, he's already had Tommy John, so no better. Uh, again, I'm not
2: comparing myself to Major League Pitcher, but I can say <laughs> that I have had a uh, experience in that realm um, that did not require Tommy John surgery. So
1: what I realized is what, when I put this list together, um, unintentionally this became a list of post-hype sleepers. Like, a lot of these guys were former top prospects who, for whatever reason, didn't work out, and now they've moved to a new team or to a new role or have changed in some way, and suddenly they're looking like they're supposed to. And uh, the, the first guy I want to talk about here is Jorge Polanco, And I had forgotten this until I looked it up. Jorge Polanco, who is the shortstop for the Twins, made it to the big leagues at 20 years old back in 2014. I had no recollection of that happening. Uh, He was a back-end top 100 prospect. Didn't play that much his first couple years. Only 78 major league games from 2014 to 2016. The final two months of 2017, he was raking, just crushing the ball. A 377 on base, 553 slugging. It really looked like this was the breakout. Uh, And then he missed the first 80 games of 2018 with a suspension, performance enhancing substances and he came back at the end of last year and he was fine He was like league average Uh, the twins were falling apart nobody really paid attention to jorge polanco have you noticed what he's doing so far this year jorge polanco's line is 392 452 716 that is the 19th best expected weighted on base in baseball Um, there's obviously a gap between what he's expected to have 422 and what he's doing 484 but even so and uh, aaron gleeman tweeted this out he has the, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, fifth highest OPS for a twin in history through the first 20 games of the season. Uh, the first three names there are Tony Oliva and also Jacques Jones, which is great. <laughs> I haven't thought about that name in, in quite That's a time. guy. Now I'm thinking about the Jacques Jones, Tory Hunter, Shannon Stewart outfield uh, as those guys. I think we're all there around the same time. They were. Anyway, um, what's kind of fun about Polanco is if you, and I know this is like an arbitrary date, but whatever, I set a starting point of August 1st, 2017, and what that encompasses would be uh, his great two final months of that year and his okay two final months after the suspension of last year and his hot start so far this year. And I set a minimum of 600 plate appearances, so there are 202 guys who qualify. He is the 23rd best hitter in baseball in that time with a 135 weighted runs created. Plus, that's ahead of Carpenter, Bryant, Lindor, Machado, Harper, and he's a shortstop and he's been around for so long, but he's still so young. He's younger than Byron Buxton, not by a lot, by like a couple months.
2: Yeah, and the but like, and the Twins kind of quietly got him uh, signed to a contract extension. Uh, wait, I totally forgot about this. <laughs> really? When <laughs> this? Uh, him and Kepler got signed in on like basically the same day. They gave him a uh, a five year deal. It's guaranteed five years, twenty five million with a a vesting option for a sixth year and a club option for a seventh year. What was this last year? It Mar- this March. Oh man, I completely missed it. Yeah, they're uh, so he's they kind of like quietly like lock, locked him up. I was, I was probably out
1: paying attention to babies and not to contract extensions. Um, if you look into the numbers, he has a huge jump in his hard hit rate up to 41% from 28%. Uh, that is actually one of the largest in baseball. It's the the fourth largest uh, hard hit rate increase in baseball. has tied with one of our other guys we're going to talk about. Uh, his ground ball rate is down by a lot. He's more aggressive on the first pitch, and he has a better contact rate than Major League Average. I didn't really want to like turn all this into an in-out, but I think I'm in. Like, You don't get to the majors at 20 if you're not pretty talented. And he had shown this before and, you know, obviously missed time, you know, due to his own making. Uh, He's he's I don't think he's better than, let's say, Bryce Harper as a hitter because that's insane. But I'm kind of in on this.
2: Yeah, no, for sure, and I think we we're looking at the you know the Twins off to a hot start, you know, in first place right now in the Central with a much better run differential than the Indians, which is what I'm looking at now and thinking like, hey, this could be for real. Oh,
1: out on the Indians, super out.
2: Um, I think you know exactly. Finally, you're welcome. Welcome aboard. Uh, I mean, <laughs> it's, there's a difference. I'm more out on the Indians than I am in on the Twins. That's fair, but um, the um, the Twins have like a plus twenty five run differential. The Indians are negative one. Um, and Polanco's a big reason they have you know some guys who are you know Buxton's been playing well yeah. Polanco playing well like this is this is a this is a decent team
1: uh the next guy i want to talk about is Christian Walker who is crushing the ball for Arizona he currently has the fifth highest hard hit rate in baseball behind Judge, Rendon, Gallo, Howie Kendrick. For some reason, that's a thing.
2: Yeah, he's he's having a weirdly yeah. uh, good start.
1: And uh, Christian Walker, who's hitting three forty seven, four thirteen, seven twenty two, uh, he's had a bit of an interesting path because he's been blocked by like every good first baseman in baseball. He was drafted by the Orioles in twenty twelve. So obviously, Chris Davis uh, has been the first baseman there for a while, and most of that time he was, uh, you know, not as struggling as badly as he is now. And then in the span of a couple weeks in spring training in twenty seventeen. Walker went to Atlanta, where he was blocked by Freddie Freeman, Cincinnati blocked by Joey Votto, and finally to Arizona, where he was blocked by Paul Goldschmidt. So he spent most of the last two years in Triple A Reno, hit 50 home runs. Uh, he did pop up occasionally to destroy Clayton Kershaw. I remember at least two different times where he randomly out of nowhere just... Bombed home runs off of Clayton Kershaw. And he wasn't even uh guaranteed the first base job this year. He's supposed to be like half a platoon, and then Jake Lamb got hurt. So Christian Walker is basically playing every day. Uh 722 slugging percentage, fifth best hard hit rate. That's really good. I'm sort of less in on this just because like the older righty power hitting first baseman profile uh isn't one that usually stands out, but I'm I'm trying to give him the benefit of the doubt because he never had opportunities because of these guys.
2: He's 28 years old yeah. and amazingly. Um, still has rookie eligibility, even though he debuted in, in 2014, because <laughs> <laughs> he had scattered uh, 80 at bats over four seasons coming into this year, and now he's got uh, he's got uh, 80 play, 80 plate appearances now, this year.
1: Now, I mean, it won't happen, right? Because Robles, Tatis, whatever. I I, I don't. I want to know if he can win the Rookie of the Year five years after making his major league debut,
2: because <laughs> that would be amazing. Yeah, that would be something.
1: Um, the next name here is uh, Max Freed who has been really impressive. Uh, He was the number seven overall pick in 2012 by the Padres. Uh, Blew at his elbow in 2014, missed all of 2015, during which time he was traded in the Justin Upton deal. Uh, Over the last two seasons, he had made nine starts, 23 games for the Braves. Pushed to the bullpen late last year, started out this year with two relief appearances before waiting for the fifth starter spot to come up. Uh, He told Mark Bowman, our MLB.com Braves reporter. I'm not going to lie. Going to the bullpen is something that helped me a lot with my mentality. That's kind of cool. He's made four starts, two runs or fewer in each of them, a 148 ERA as a starter. Uh, but it's the data that's really interesting, specifically on his curve. And I encourage you to go watch his curve because it's super impressive looking. If we look at uh, expected weighted on base On pitch types, the best curve in baseball right now is Corey Kluber with a .092, which is both uh, expected and also kind of lame because we know that Corey Kluber's breaking ball is awesome. I don't believe it's a curve. We have to call it that because that's what he wants it. But if you watch it, it's a slider. It's not a curve. Whatever. Uh, Number two is Aaron Sanchez. And number three is Max Fried. We are working on some new pitch movement leaderboards, which will hopefully be out in the next week or two. And it's going to uh, use gravity and compare movement to uh, with gravity pitch- to pitches of a similar velocity. The most drop in baseball on a curveball is Trevor Bauer, who gets nine and a half inches more drop than other pitches at his velocity. Number two, Max Fried, which is amazing. And um, the other reason I like this list a lot is Seth Lugo's number five on it. So that's how I know it works.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Fried was um, was high school teammates with a uh, Lucas Giolito. Who really? was uh and also Jack Flaherty, which is crazy. is
1: uh the Harvard Westlake. Harvard right?
2: Westlake, but yeah. he and he and uh Giolito were the same draft year, and Giolito, uh, you know, a regular topic on this podcast in the past was the bigger prospect. Although he went higher than Giolito because Giolito was coming off Tommy John surgery, right. um, or maybe he had maybe he wasn't coming off surgery, but it had, had maybe he you know he had an injury. There was some there was some questions. He hadn't pitched a lot. Giolito,
1: yeah, and then he threw like one game and then had. Tommy Johnson yeah, or but uh,
2: yeah, he went higher than Giulito, but Giolito was considered a much bigger prospect, but right now, you'd probably take Freed.
1: Um, I'm mostly in on this. My only concern here is he has thrown 26 innings. He only has 18 strikeouts. Uh, that is a, a 17% strikeout rate, which is below average. You know, there's more to life than strikeouts. A little concerning if you're not missing bats, though. Like, I'm, I'm obviously going to give him the opportunity because the curveball looks great but i feel like you got to miss some more bats before like that's fair super in um robert stevenson was also a first round pick now this is back in 2011 he was on top 100 prospect lists for like 5 years in a row like, yeah. he was constantly there uh, and he could never really put it together so over the last 3 seasons he made 22 starts uh, he hit 477 era he has spent time in AAA in each year since 2015, uh, not including 2019, obviously. And as I was reading, uh, you know, Reds notes from late March, he had to beat out Matt Whistler for a relief job. Like he only made it as the last cut, and he was out of options. They weren't sure if he was going to be in the organization anymore. I think they're happy that he stuck around. For sure. Eight games so far, 11 and a third innings, uh, 159 ERA, 96th percentile strikeout rate. That's that's good. 38%. 94th percentile hard hit rate, 22%. And he has the fourth best expected weighted on base of any pitcher in baseball. Minimum 25 plate appearances, uh, Roberto Asuna, Lou Trevino, did you realize Greg Holland was having a great year? Yes, I, I did. I did not.
2: I did. It's, it it's been awesome. It's been, it's been impressive. It's kind of cool to see because it looked like he was really kind of going out. Yeah. And pretty, well, I thought he was toast. On a pretty um, poor uh, note. Poor note, but yeah. he's back with the D-backs and pitching really well.
1: Uh, number four is Stevenson, and number five is our friend Ryan Presley. Uh, Robert Stevenson has been interesting because he goes to the bullpen, and you know the velocity ticked up a little bit, but this is not like some here's five more miles. It is all about uh, the slider. Slider in uh, 2017, he threw it 19% of the time, then 41% of the time. So far this year, he's throwing it 58% of the time. He has ditched his curveball. He's mostly ditched his changeup. I like him because he's a very 2019 pitcher where I think like 10 years ago, if he said, I'm going to throw my slider almost two thirds of the time, uh, your pitching coach would have probably laughed at you. And now you can say, well, look at Adam Modovino. You know, look at look at some of these guys. Like, if this is my good pitch and it appears that it is, uh, I'm going to use it all the time. And, and obviously,
2: when you're in the bullpen, you don't have to worry about turning over the lineup sure. multiple times. You can, uh, you can get away with it. And the final
1: name I want to talk about is someone I never thought we would talk about on this show, Nico Goodrum. Nico Goodrum was a second-round pick by the Twins in 2010. Uh, he got up to the Twins in 2017 for a brief 11-game cameo and then signed as a non-roster guy with the Tigers last year where he was perfectly fine. He had a league average line, 245, 315, 432. He played a bunch of spots. It was fine. He was fine and that seemed like it was kind of kind of going to be the end of it. Um so far this year, he's got a 380 on base and a 508 slugging. He has he is tied with Polanco for the fourth largest hard hit rate jump. All of a sudden, he's been playing a lot of first base too because uh you know, Miguel Cabrera has been DHing a little bit. Uh, Fangraphs wrote about Nico Gridram last week, and I have to quote this line because it's insane to me. Uh, they were talking about the changes he's made. It's a mix that looks like Jose Bautista's Breakout 2010. Wow. <laughs> I'm not going to go that far. Uh, but what they were getting at is the giant hard hit rate jump. Uh, The pull percentage is up, and that was kind of the Bautista story. Hit the ball hard, hit it in the air, hit it to the pull side. Uh, But the thing about Goodrum is, you know, he's actually, you know, he's he's a well-rounded athlete, right? His sprint speed is a 91st percentile mark. That's top 30 in baseball. It's faster than Whit Merrifield or Victor Robles. So he's hitting the ball harder. He's pulling it more. He's hitting fewer grounders. And he has an expected weighted on base of 4.37. That is 16th best in baseball. These are all small samples. Um, I believe in some of these guys more than other. I'm I'm not ready to anoint Nico Goodrum the next
2: Jose Bautista. I don't it think seems a little premature. But uh, it's I mean, if you're a Tigers fan, there's there's they're kind of in a bit of a weird transition. Yeah, you're looking for guys. Hey, who's going to be around? He's playing really well. He looks interesting. Even I mean, he could play a couple positions. So if nothing else. He looks like a, a decent piece that could be around for a while. Yeah, um, as guy... a non roster guy, I mean. Yeah, go for
1: it. Um, so I have a lot of Cardinals topics here. And and for a couple of reasons, like some of these guys I wanted to talk about, and then somebody asked me to look into John Gantt. So here we are talking about John Gantt. Um, but first, so Dexter Fowler, I, I thought this was really interesting this morning. Everybody knows Dexter Fowler had a truly wretched 2018, <laughs> right? Just awful. Uh, he hit 180, 278, 298 slugging uh, percentage, weighted runs created plus of 62. It was just really bad. This year, it looks a lot better, right? 313 batting average, 403 on base, 433 slugging. That's all great. That's all very good. Seems like he's back, right? He's back to 2016 Cubs version of Dexter Fowler. I'm not so sure, all right? Uh, His strikeouts are actually higher than they were last year, up by 1%. His hard hit rate, which was a below average 28% last year, is down to 27%. His batting average on balls in play, I mean, this is the story right here. Last year, it was 210. This year, it's 417. I don't think it's going to stay at 417. I think it's going to drop.
2: <laughs> so at least if he, but at least if he gets back to, you know, then but then maybe that is the happy medium like, you know, maybe he's he's well, not a complete, you know, zero like he was no, last year. I agree. Year.
1: I agree. It's somewhere in the middle because uh this is not all like a, a fluke. Like if you look at the underlying skills, the expected weighted on base is up from 277 to 329, which is more or less league average. League average. That's, if that's they, I think the
2: Cardinals right now would say would you take league average? for the rest of the season from Valor, you'd probably say yes. Do
1: you realize he's been playing center field? Cause, yeah, cause because Bader's been, been out, yeah. <laughs> that was not what I expected. Um, but it's kind of interesting, you know, how how if his hard hit rate isn't up and his strikeouts haven't really changed, how does his expected weighted on base improve? And it's kind of a, a fun batted ball, uh, you know, distribution. So the ground balls haven't changed. They're exactly the same as they've been for the last couple of years. Line drives are up from 23% to 39%, and his fly balls are down from 28% to 12%. So uh, in this case, I think not hitting the ball as high is maybe a good thing for him. Not, You know, easy fly balls are bad. Uh, ripped line drives that maybe fall for hits are good, but I don't know. His zone contact is down by a lot. His chase contact is down by a lot. I, I agree with you. It's going to be better than last year. League average seems like the high end for me.
2: But given the roster construction, he's a really useful piece for them because, you know, when Bader's back, you know, Jose Martinez is still an adventure in right field. And so the more Bad. options you can have to, oh, yeah. to 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 either spell him defensively or give him some days off, depending on the pitching against a tough right handed pitcher, the better. So, you know, right now they're forced to kind of play Martinez every day with Bader hurt and also have Fowler and Center, but once Bader's back, having that depth is uh is useful. I noticed that uh Colton Wong is kind of crushing the ball. Oh yeah. Sort
1: of. So his his slugging percentage is up from 388 last year to 536. Like, wow, that that's great. You have a, a very good defensive infielder who can slug 536. That's like an MVP candidate. But it was weird because I couldn't figure out why. Um, his hard hit rate is down from 31% to 26%. His exit velocity just on fly balls and line drives, where it matters, is down too, from 91% to 89%, and that's all to miles an hour. Excuse me, that's all kind of confusing to me. Now his expected weight on base is up, like he's generally been a better hitter. It's up from 297, which is poor, to 358, which is good. Um, but that's partially because his walk rate has doubled, and his ground ball rate, you know, is down. But none of this supports this massive slugging percentage increase. And I stared at it, and I stared at it, and I couldn't figure out what was going on. Like, how does a guy who's not hitting the ball harder crush the ball this much? And I think I figured out what maybe happened here. In his first six games of the season, he had five extra base hits, including three home runs. It was great. In the next 16 games, he only has three extra base hits, including one home run. Uh, In the first six games, he had a slugging percentage of over 1,000. In the last 16 games, he has a slugging percentage of three thirteen. So I'm starting to feel like that slugging percentage increase is maybe an early season fluke, and he's gonna kind of get back to normal. I mean, the the increase in walk rate is really good, so I think he can be a better hitter than last year. Um, not buying the power jump as much as I thought I might, though.
2: But again, it's similar kind of Fowler. Even if like he's not the you know the he's not a you know a, a 550 slugging guy, right? He's still a good player. Uh, especially good player. especially if you spot him and you know can hide him hide him against some some tough lefties. Uh, you know who I am in on though. I'm in on Marcelo's. Well, we've been talking. I mean, this is like. I mean, we've we've been, you know, we we can we can pat ourselves on the back once in yeah. a while, but, you know we've been talking up the Marcelo Zeno's going to be fine angle all off season, and right. well, lo and behold, crushing the ball, he's been awesome,
1: slugging percentage up by two hundred and two points um even though his hard hit rate is down a little bit too this one is very much about elevating Uh, his ground ball rate in 2017 was 47 percent last year it was 47 percent this year it's 39 percent um his barrel per batted ball this is fun barrels are what we define as the perfect combination of launch angle and exit velocity it's like the best thing you can do last year his barrel per batted ball rate was nine percent the year before it was also nine percent this year it is 18.5 percent so he is hitting the ball harder uh, not harder, but he's sitting the ball in the air, and he's still hitting it hard.
2: And having a very good, uh, uh, picking a good time for it, considering he's a free agent this off season. It would have been interesting to see if Chris, with a K. Davis, had not just signed that extension to have Chris Davis oh. and Marcelo Zuna hitting the market at the same time. That probably would have been bad for both of them because they're pretty similar profiles. Granted, uh, both guys who are basically left field or DH only with bad throwing arms. But now with Davis out of the mix, the free agent class, which is drying up by the second, yeah, he's like. By far the best power hitter that's going to be on the market. You know, Rendon. I feel like is still going to is going to sign an extension. JD Martinez could opt out. It's possible he could opt out. Um, but you know that's kind of remains to be seen. So Zuna could actually be playing himself into like a pretty good a pretty good situation, considering that he may be like the one kind of true slugger. Uh, on the market.
1: Um, I Amina mean, on Ozuna, out on Wong as a power hitter, sort of out on Fowler as anything more than league average. Uh, two relievers for the Cardinals I just wanted to talk about really quick. John Brebia. I know that's a name nobody knows, but I actually find him kind of Fascinating. Uh, he has so far in 13 and a third innings a 0.68 ERA. Um, really a wild career path. He was a 30th round pick of the Yankees in 2011. Released after 2013 because he had a very poor strikeout rate in A ball. Spent a couple years in indie ball with Sioux Falls and Laredo. Signs with the Diamondbacks in September of 2015. Never throws a pitch for the Diamondbacks. He got picked in the AAA Rule 5 draft, where he's been with the Cardinals ever since, made it to the bigs in 2017. Here's what's interesting to me, though, is uh, when I look at the data, it's got a really high fastball spin, right? He had an 84th percentile fastball spin last year. That's good. And he throws tons of high fastballs. He actually has the second highest rate of high fastballs in baseball. So I define this as a ball that's two and a half feet higher Uh, off the ground or higher, right? So he throws his fastballs that higher, higher, 86% of the time. Only Pedro Baez does it more than that. So immediately you think to yourself, well, this is 2019. Here's a high-spin fastball. He's throwing it high. He's getting that rise. Guys can't uh, catch up to it. That makes perfect sense, right? Here's a quote he gave to Mark Saxon of The Athletic on April 16th, and I quote here. I'm absolutely atrocious at hitting my spots, but I do my darndest to throw it down in the zone, (laughs) which is great. So I'm not sure if that means um, he's trying to throw down and he just has no ability to do so, or if he's getting so much rise, it's still, like, sailing up on him. Either way, I think it's funny because, you know, for the most part, this is a strategy now, and it does not seem to be a strategy for him, but it's still working. So I don't know. That's kind of funny for me about John Brebbia. Yeah.
2: Hey, you got to know yourself.
1: Yeah. Uh, the other thing is I had a – I can't remember his name, but I had a listener ask me to look into John Gant. Uh John Gantt has a .60 ERA in 15 innings. John Gant's been in some interesting trades. He was a Mets prospect. He got dealt to Atlanta in the immortal Juan Uribe-Kelly Johnson trade, traded to the Cardinals in 2016 for Jaime Garcia, Uh, His expected weighted on base is down from 314 to 231. That's really good. His hard hit rate is down almost in half. That's also really good. Um, He has a 100% left on base rate. That means this is why his ERA is what it is. That's not going to sustain. Mostly I'm interested in John Gantt because he is a good reminder that strikeouts per nine is a very lame and garbage stat and strikeout percentage rules. Here's why. If you were to look at his strikeouts per nine, he's gotten worse down from 7.5 to 72 if you were to look at strikeout percentage, he's gotten better, up from 19.5 percent to 24 percent. Never use K per nine; always use strikeout percentage. That's a good lesson for life.
2: Yeah, and he's also he's he's added like real velocity now that he's basically you know as not surprisingly coming out of the pen. I mean, I was watching the other day; I saw him throwing 95, and I was like, Yeah, when did John Gant throw 95? He's got this
1: New cutter that's like 89 as well. And
2: I'm I'm looking at I'm looking up at his uh, our pipeline sky report from him uh, from 2015 when he was a. Uh, when he was in the Brave system, you know, 50-grade fastball, like, fringy velocity yeah. is what it refers to. And then, you know, 2016, his four-seamer was averaging 92.4 miles an hour. 2017, 92.5. 2018, 93.2. This year, up to 94.5.
1: So there's your John Gatt hot take of the day. Thank you, uh, unnamed listener whose name I forgot to write down. I'm sorry. We are going to finish off with Matt's hot takes about the future of Aaron Judge, I'm going to cede the floor here. This Let's is, go. This
2: is not a hot take, and this actually, I will, will, will bring you in the way back machine here because um, a few years ago, when I was working at ESPN and Mike was writing for Fangraphs, six years ago, six ago. ago well, um, that's uh, Mike and I first worked together when I was uh, at ESPN and he was writing for Fangraphs, and we had like a deal with Fangraphs for Fangraphs would contribute a few pieces per week that we would run on ESPN Insider, and this was the time when Giancarlo Stanton was with the marlins and there was a lot of talk was a couple years before that he got traded and there'd been a lot of talk about how he was gonna get traded and i guess i had mike write a piece and i guess it's something that i would thought about before basically saying like well stanton gets hurt a lot is he really worth someone you really want to trade for um and i guess this was embedded in my brain because i asked mike i was like you know aaron judge to asked him today i was like i feel like when he was a prospect there was some talk about how Maybe that, like, just his profile wouldn't work in the majors. That basically, like, he's too big to be a major league player. Obviously, he's proven that he can be a successful major leaker when he's healthy. The problem, and part of the reason why you don't see guys like Aaron Judge stay healthy, I mean, uh, have long careers, is because they have a hard time staying healthy. He just, over the weekend, suffered a severe oblique strain, will miss at least a month. My guess is more obliques always take a while. Last year, he was hit by a pitch. Um He... Fractured wrist, he missed almost two months. He played a total of 112 games. 2017, obviously, stayed healthy, won Rookie of the Year, almost won MVP. 2016, he had a grade two oblique strain, Oblique strain, um, and his season was cut short on September 13 after he'd been called up early in the season. So at this point, we've got a guy who turns 27 this year, and he really has only had one healthy... Major League season. Hey, how come Babe Ruth never strange <laughs> And I go back, and this, is what, and this is what Mike wrote in 2013. He said, Stanton is listed on Major League Baseball website as 6'6", 240 pounds, and only two players have ever met each of these specifications while sticking around long enough to collect as many plate appearances as Stanton already has. Adam Dunn and Frank Howard. In fact, only one of the hit- only one other hitter that large has ever collected as many as a mere 300 plate appearances aside from that trio, and that's Kyle Blanks, Kyle Blanks. <laughs> of the Padres. I remembered a guy. <laughs> okay. um, and so if you if you you expand the search, you do pl- players listed at 6'6 uh, or taller, 240 pounds or, or heavier, with more than 1,200 plate appearances. You've got Adam Dunn, Frank Howard, Giancarlo Stanton, Corey Hart, and Aaron Judge. With uh, a
1: caveat. With a
2: caveat. The caveat is Dave Winfield, who was listed at 6'6, 220, which my guess is he was when he came in the league, but I'm not sure he actually was that for yeah, the rest of the year. The height career.
1: stuff is usually fine. The weight measurements are tough, partially just because guys can fluctuate, you know, <laughs> as time goes on. But I feel like uh Dave Winfield is probably being undersold a little bit here. Yeah,
2: I guess it's more of a question about about judge is the idea that like he's so excited so exciting when he's healthy, but he's always probably a player who was never going to age that gracefully, just given his size, even if he stayed healthy. You look at a guy like Richie Sex who I think is probably the 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 best recent comp in terms of height, although he was listed at two hundred five pounds, which I don't really buy. But um, you know, he posted only he posted an OPS plus above one hundred at age thirty one of like a one fourteen and never again. Um, Adam Dunn's last year as an impact hitter was his age thirty season 100, yeah. 138 OPS plus. Aaron or, Judge or turned, art was done at thirty as well. Yeah, Aaron yeah. Judge turns twenty seven on this week on Friday. So my feeling is just kind of like it's just I'm feeling like I, I just sort of have this. A happy birthday, Aaron Judge. Yeah, this like feeling that we're we're just maybe gonna be felt like we're gonna left wanting more just because, you know, he's having trouble staying healthy. This has been an ongoing thing, and the odds of him being a productive hitter into his thirties are probably pretty low. Just with that size and that, you know, you, you can't help but have a bit of a long swing when you're six seven. You know, the best case scenario is probably Frank Howard, who posted a 145 OPS pledge. OPS plus at age 34 and made the all-star game. That's kind of the, at this point, that's the best case scenario. And if Aaron judge is still a productive hitter at age 34, well, you know, the Yankees will be thrilled. But right now, when you consider the injuries and the track record of guys of that size, it's, it's I think a it's, little. It's a little. Daunting, you know. It's a little scary.
1: I think it's a valid concern, but I, I look at him a little differently than I do Stanton. So when I wrote this about Stanton like six years ago, um, I don't have it in front of me, but I had kind of listed out all the injuries, and a lot of them were like you know these lower body injuries, like knees and hamstrings and calves or whatever. And um, that hasn't been Aaron Judge's concern really. Yeah, I'm not going to worry too much about the fractured wrist. Like guys get hit by a pitch, you know, what happens. Uh, two oblique strains now now in four years, and. I... I wonder if that's less about his size than it is just about how hard he swings. Like, there is so much torque happening. For now. sure. And um, I, we, we'll never be able to measure this. But I would wager that no one has ever swung the bat harder than Aaron Judge in the history of Major League Baseball. It seems like a reasonably decent bet. Um, I don't know what that does to an oblique. Like, you know, is once is a, okay, it's a thing that happened. Twice is maybe a coincidence. If it happens again, maybe it's a pattern.
2: And, and also, I mean, I mean Jean Carlos Stanton, right? You know... He obviously had that insane year with the Marlins a couple of years ago and has at times in his career been a fantastic player. But he missed significant time in 2016, 2015, and two thousand thirteen. He's out currently with a bicep injury. He's already he's played three games this year. He's gonna miss at least a month. This is an ongoing thing for Stan, and I'm sure I mean, the judge and his long term future are gonna it's gonna be interesting. I mean the Brian Cashman and his staff are obviously aware of the track record of players of this size, not to mention the fact they have Stanton as a constant reminder, Where whereas, like, hey, his contract, I wouldn't call it an albatross, but it's – if you can't stay on the field, it's hard to stay productive. It's uh, hard to be productive. So, um, you know, Aaron Judge, I think, will hit arbitration for the first time next year, and there's – the Yankees have become more aggressive about locking up some of their young players the last couple of years – uh but judge will be an interesting one to see how that that plays out
1: i'm still holding that hope for kyle blanks by the (laughs) way (laughs) um all right well i think that'll be interesting to see that is our show for this week this is the mob.com statcast podcast
0: hey rob bradford here you guys know i'm always up for a good mvp story and one of the best